Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. So the Major League Baseball All-Star Game was last night. The American League won 4-3. to three. I I shouldn't be upset about the result. Like, I know the Brewers are a National League team, but is it okay to get upset over the result of an All-Star Game? Like, I was pulling hard for the National League. Is this something that I'm that I'm putting too much effort as a fan into? Like, am I too invested in the result of an All-Star Game? I think maybe. It's been seven years. The American League has won seven All-Star Games in a row. You have to go all the way back to 2012 when the game was in Kansas City and the National League won. It's been seven years since the National League has won an All-Star game. And I know it's just an All-Star game. I know that the game is normally only comprised of a couple of brewers at best. But I feel invested. Like, I'm bought in as a National League fan. And I was pissed off last night. Like, why can't the National League? How hard is it to win an All-Star game? Harder than uh, harder than it, it must seem because it's been seven years uh, and the American League continues to dominate over the National League. I, I kind of compare this to college football during bowl season, right? I hate Ohio State, I hate Michigan, I hate Iowa, but during bowl season, I'm cheering for I'm cheering for my conference. That's my conference. That's my Big Ten, right? That's my Badgers conference. So I and I get upset when Michigan loses. Uh, the last couple of years, Michigan's lost in the bowl game, and the Big Ten had a tremendous bowl season last year, right? Except for Michigan, they lost. I'm like. Damn it, Michigan. Like, why are you making our conference look bad? I kind of felt the same way last night. Like, this is my league. My team is a part of the National League. And they have not won an All-Star game in seven years. Like, I, I feel like I'm probably too invested into this. But I was getting a little frustrated last night. I want to see my uh, my league win an All-Star game here one of these years. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. My name is Grant Bills. And I am your host. We got a lot of fun stuff uh, to talk about today. I'm not going to break down the All-Star game too much. We do have to talk about the Brewers uh, and some trade reports because it is that time of year. A familiar name, uh, the Brewers being uh, included in rumors with a familiar name, a familiar pitcher, which they've been interested in before. We'll talk about that. Rami Makhlouf, a name you may or may not know. Uh, he is a, a host of a show on Score North in the Twin Cities, covering the Twins, covering the Vikings, and right now, of course, it's Twins, 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 Twins. He's going to join us coming up at 5.30 just for a couple of minutes because it's the All-Star break, and why not? Let's talk Twins. They've certainly had just a tremendous first half of the season, a consistently tremendous first half of the season, so we'll talk to him a little bit about the Twins, their manager, uh, the players that are getting it done, and all the home runs they've been hitting. So if you're a Twins fan, stay stay right here. I know it's the Wisco Sports Show. We're going to talk Brewers. We're going to talk a little Bucks at the end as well, but we do have some Twins talk today. It's It's Pretty deserved, right? They've had an excellent year. Uh, and honestly, they've been a blast to watch, too. They haven't been a boring team. They've been a good, exciting team. So we'll give them their due. Uh, Rami Makhlouf will join us coming up at 5.30. A very entertaining host. Uh, and you should hang around uh, to hear that interview. Right now, I, I'm, I'm upset. I shouldn't be. I feel like I'm too invested. I'm too into it. But I, but the National League is my league. I want them to win. Last night's game was was pretty good. It was a 4-3 game. And the, the National League put up a couple of late runs, right? They scored two runs, uh, or excuse me, uh, two runs, yes, in the top of the eighth uh, to draw closer. And it, and it just wasn't enough. They couldn't kick through. It was a, a close. It was a really well-pitched ball game. It, it wasn't a runaway train. It wasn't a 12-10 to game, right? It wasn't a 15-14 to home run mashing slugfest. 
it felt like a normal ball game. And part of that is good, right? We, we strive for our all-star games or our Pro Bowls to, to feel like a normal game of football or basketball or baseball, right? That's, that's what we want. That's what we strive for, right? But then also, like, there should be a special feeling. There should be some fanfare. There should be some excitement in an all-star game that isn't found in a normal baseball game. And at times last night, I felt myself looking away from the TV and losing focus because it felt just like a normal Tuesday night baseball game, which is good, but also bad at the same time. Like, you can't have it both ways. We love the NBA All-Star Game. I do because the final score is like 190 to 175, right? There are also people who hate the NBA All-Star Game for the same reason. Well, it's not even a real game. Well, yeah, because it's the All-Star Game. Last night felt like a real game. And because of that, I actually found myself drifting in and out a little bit. I'm like, am I watching a Tuesday Night Brewer game? Or am I watching the Major League Baseball all-star game, right? You can't really win. You can't have it both ways. Like the NBA feels like a circus and I love it because it feels like a surface. Major League Baseball has the potential to feel like a real game because people can can play it 100% in baseball without risking injury, right? A lot of injuries in baseball actually happen when people slide at half effort or aren't going 100% around the bases. That's when you see a lot of the injuries. The NFL, we're just not going to use that as an example because the Pro Bowl I don't know if that's a, a a real game or an exhibition or just a bunch of men dancing around in, in helmets and pads. I have no clue what that is. So that's that's no help. Last night, I was uh, we were watching this game, and, and obviously I was excited to see Christian Yelich hit. He hit leadoff and lined out to first base. And then in his second at bat, struck out Berrios uh, or Berrios. I have twins friends who say it different ways. Uh, so Berrios, Berrios, struck out Christian Yelich uh, on a really good uh, bottom of the zone pitch. I'm like, all right, damn it. Okay, so Christian Yelich. I thought he was our best hope for a, a statement for the Milwaukee Brewers. The best performance was actually Asmani Rondal, who didn't even get a hit. He just took a walk, uh, and he was a part of that inning in the eighth where a couple of runs came across from the National League. They were finally able to get some runs across. Grandal was a part of that, but it wasn't really in a flashy way. Mike Moustakis uh, recorded an out with a really good opportunity to push some runs in. I believe the tying and the go-ahead run were both in scoring position. Mike Moustakis at the plate couldn't get it done. Brandon Woodruff gave up a run, but he kind of minimized the trouble that he got into by turning a double play, so none of the Brewers really had a good showing. When I was driving in uh, WKTY News, Drew Kelly was was reading a couple of news and notes last night uh, from the game, and he said the best performance may have actually been Josh Hader, and he he didn't pitch, right? That might have been the Brewers' best performance last night. So a forgettable night for the Milwaukee Brewers. A forgettable night for the National League as they lose their seventh All-Star game in a row. And you know what's even crazier is I actually went back and I looked at the history of the All-Star game. Wins and losses have always come in bunches. Like, it's never alternated. It's never gone back and forth. So going back to 2012, the American League has won every game. And then in 2010, 11, and 12, it was the National League. And then, even crazier, from 1997 until 2009... The American League won every game, excluding 2002, which they tied. That was the game at Miller Park. 94, 95, 96, the National League won. 98 through 93, or 1988, excuse me, through 93, the American League won them all. The last time that it went back and forth, where the American League won one year and the National League won the next, was 86, 87. How insane is that? How crazy? How does that happen? And if you go back just a couple of years, the National League won every All-Star game from 1972 to 1982. So it's been just a streaky, streaky statistic 
for All-Star Games. I, I don't. There's really nothing to take away from it. I just find it interesting. The National League, I don't think there's a discrepancy in talent between the American League and the National League, is there? I don't think so. I mean, you had Clayton Kershaw on the mound last night, who was the pitcher who ultimately took the loss. I, look, you'll you'll go to war with Clayton Kershaw any day of the week, right? I, I just, I find it interesting. I don't think there's a huge talent discrepancy. I think there's talent across the board. I find it fascinating that the National League just can't win one by luck. Like I said, I'm probably too involved. I'm probably too invested I know it's the National League. That's my league, and I want to see them win. But last night, I was I was upset. I was like, come on. Like, How can we not get one? I, I have friends. I, I grew up closer to the Twin Cities than I did to Milwaukee, and I have a lot of friends who are Twins fans, uh, even down here. And as technically lacrosse is, is just about as close uh, to the Twin Cities as Miller Park. It's, it's a lot more comparable. I, I'm from about an hour away from uh, the cities, four hours away from Milwaukee up in Menominee by Eau Claire. I have a lot of friends who are Twins fans, and it's like, I don't, they don't get to hold this over me. Like, they don't get to brag about how the American League is a dynasty. Like, this is the one time a year, other than the World Series, which the Brewers and the Twins are never taking part in. This is the one time a year the American League and the National League kind of go head-to-head, and it's just been a, just a slaughter the last couple of years by the American League. And I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. Next year, the National League needs to put their foot down. So we'll reconvene. We'll talk about this in another year. And I do not want to be talking about eight wins in a row. Uh, for the American League. There you go. That is your all-star talk for the day. That's all we're going to talk about. I don't want to waste any more time uh, talking about a game that doesn't mean anything. The Brewers, uh, over the weekend and into yesterday, were involved in some rumors about Noah Syndergaard, the Mets' starting pitcher. And I want to talk about that, including uh, a sentiment from Radio Joe Zenzola, uh, executive producer of the Bill Michaels Show. That show you hear every day, 11 to 2, here on WKTY. I was listening today, Joe, uh, and I and I love Joe. Joe is awesome. Any anytime I've asked him to be a guest, anytime I've asked him uh, to connect me with Bill or with other people who cover sports down in Milwaukee, he's been great. I love Joe. He said one of the worst things I've heard today about the Brewers. Like that this is a bad take. I'll share that with you coming up next, and we'll talk Noah Syndergaard and Milwaukee Brewers. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. You're listening to WKTY. <laughs> The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for hanging out. MLB trade rumors really, really starting to heat up. Like for the last month, you can kind of start to put the pieces together. Okay, this team's playing bad. They may want to trade these players. Or this team's really good. Here's what they might be looking to buy. Right now, we have some concrete rumors with concrete names, concrete teams, and maybe what those teams want in return for players that they're offering. Everything becoming a little bit more clear, a little bit more concrete, uh, and the Brewers finding themselves in the mix, like they always are. You say one thing about David Stearns, he is always in the mix. He might not be the most aggressive in bringing in players and and in acquiring talent, but he is in the mix on everyone, uh, which I guess is what we pounded the table for for Ted Thompson. So uh, we got to take what we can get. The Brewers, uh, according to John Morosi, are back uh, on the Noah Syndergaard train. You know the, the, the expression... Uh, back on your bull, you know what, you know, back, I'm back on my BS, you know, I'm back to my old habits, I'm back to my dirty tricks, well, the Brewers are back on their Noah Syndergaard BS, okay, this is something we've seen before in the offseason and last season, the problem is the Mets are so difficult to figure out, they should be clear sellers, right, like, they should have probably traded DeGrom and Syndergaard and, and just stocked that farm system and went for a full rebuild last year, probably, but their management and their ownership has just been so weird, wacky, and hard to figure out that it's difficult to know what to expect, right? 
Well, the Brewers, according to John Morosi, and, and this is the word, are monitoring Noah Syndergaard. So in true David Stern's fashion, he's in on it, he's in the mix, and he's keeping tabs on on whether the Mets want to offer Noah Syndergaard. There's a lot of teams interested. Uh, the Brewers aren't the only one, obviously. It sounds like the Mets want prospects, obviously, but they also want a major league pitcher. Now, they probably want one who's younger uh, and, and under a lot more club control than Noah Syndergaard, but it sounds like they want a, 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 a legitimate MLB pitcher in return to go with prospects or what what other kind of assets uh, the Brewers can offer or any team can offer from their minor league system. Now, I, I think the Brewers have the ammunition to go get Noah Syndergaard. Why I'm open to the idea is that he would be under club control until 2021. They'd have him for two more seasons. When we've talked about the Brewers buying or selling at this trade deadline, I'm not sold on this Brewers team, so I'm not okay with the thought of selling everything and going all in on 2019. I am okay with, and I'm very open to the idea of improving this team, but if you're going to give up assets and improve the team, bring in a pitcher or bring in a bat or a reliever who's going to be here for the next couple of years. David Stearns talks about, well, we don't want to just contend this year, we want to have a window. We want to sustain success. Well, then bring in a guy who's going to be here and be part of that sustained success. Not just 2019, but beyond. So Noah Syndergaard fits that bill as well. He's going to be expensive. And I don't think there's any conversation that an opposing GM is going to have with David Stearns that doesn't begin and possibly end with Keston Hira. Because a lot of organizations will be willing to offer their their number one prospect. Every every organization has that guy, right? That number one prospect. And other organizations, especially big markets, might be willing to say, yeah, you can have our best prospect. Because they can afford to foot that bill. They can afford uh, to spend money. And, 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 and the brewers need to be a little bit more tight. They need to be a little bit more careful with when and how they spend uh, those very, very valuable, precious assets. Keston here especially. And, and look... Maybe David Stearns picks up the phone and he calls the front office of the Mets and he calls the general manager. He said, yeah, what do you want for Noah Syndergaard? What's your beginning price? And the Mets front office might say, we want Keston Hira or we want nothing. Like if you're not even willing to budge on that, then we don't want to do business with you. It could very well go that way because there are teams who are going to be willing to give up their Keston Hira. And that could exclude the Brewers pretty quickly. Now, it might not take Keston Hira. It might take lower-level prospects and a current pitcher, maybe Freddie Peralta or Corbin Burns and prospects like Corey Ray, Zach Brown, whatever. It might not include Keston Hira, but that's certainly where I'd start if I was talking to David Stearns. Certainly where I'd talk. So the Brewers back on their Noah Syndergaard BS. Once again, we're doing this song and dance uh, another time. And, And today I was listening to the Bill Michaels show, and I don't actually listen to the Bill Michaels show every day. I I catch uh, Dave and Scrady in the morning when I get up and, and, Sometimes I'll tune in in the afternoon, but mostly I I check out sports radio when I wake up. And then before, while I'm eating kind of a late lunch before I come in to start prepping for my show, I watch, you know, some highlights throughout the day. Okay, well, what did Stephen A. Smith say? What did Colin Cowherd say? Uh, What did Gottlieb have to say on Fox Sports Radio? Maybe Bill Michaels was tweeting about something. Let me check that out, right? It's it's kind of open. Well, today I was listening to the Bill Michaels show and, and Joe, Radio Joe's and Zola, the executive producer, and Bill going back and forth. It was about 11.15, going back and forth about... Whether or not David Stearns has been aggressive enough, whether or not this is just the same old, same old, well, we're going to be in on it, we're going to be right there, we're going to monitor the situation, but we're not ultimately going to bring him in. Well, Dave, Joe said something about this, and I'm, and I'm listening, and I'm like, Joe, what 
are you doing? Okay, so I'm going to give you the full soundbite. It's 40 seconds long. And look, I'm not trying to do Joe dirty here. I want you to have all the context. I want you to have the full situation. This is what Joe had to say. I I thought this was borderline offensive, as offensive as sports radio could be. Sports radio is harmless. This is Joe Zanzola. You know, I know some Brewer fans are frustrated that, you know, they didn't go out and they didn't sign Craig Kimbrell or they didn't go out and get Dallas Keuchel. You still have to appreciate the fact that David Stearns is exploring every avenue with every pitcher. We've seen him now in the last day, Madison Bumgarner, show interest there, according to Ken Rosendahl, and now you see with John Morosi, him looking at Zach Wheeler and Noah Syndergaard. Mm -hmm. You have to appreciate that. The guy's trying. So I I know a lot of people like to go after David Stearns for every little thing, and he's got to make a move now, and he's got to do something now. At least give him some credit that he is trying. Is that not... And look, I love Radio Joe. Anytime I've asked him to come on, he has, and I, I love having conversations with him on the Wisco Sports Show. He's helped connect me with with Brewers people, with Bucks people. He has been tremendous, and this is not personal. This take stinks. Like, am I the only one who think this take stinks? Like, you, I have to give David Stearns credit for trying. Any GM can pick up the phone and call and say, hey, what do you want? Like, that, that's, that's technically being in on a situation. Like, that's nothing. And I'm not here to hate on David Stearns, but the idea that, that we need to carry David Stearns' water... Because he's willing to do something that Ted Thompson was never willing to do, and that's to literally use a phone. I'm, I'm not. I'm not giving him credit. And I'm not appreciating the fact that he's in on the situation. This this should be the baseline for every general manager. If you don't call and ask, if you don't just simply do the bare minimum and reach out and say, "What are you thinking? Like, what what are your first thoughts?" You don't need to start naming names. You don't need to start saying, "Well, we could offer this," or, or "What about this player?" No, no, no. At the bare minimum. Every GM, at most opportunities to improve their team, should call and just ask. Just inquire. Just say, hey, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? We hear that Noah Syndergaard's available. Is that true? And if so, what's the ballpark? What ballpark do we have to be in to be in the running to make this trade? Right? Or with free agents. Well, we're going to—I want a meeting. I want to talk to you because I want to know if it's a good fit. I want to be able to tell you about my organization. I, I maybe don't need to recruit you heavily. Maybe I don't need to, to get all my players to get on the phone and call you, but I'm going to be in the conversation. I'm going to be there. The bare minimum. David Stearns is doing the bare minimum, and I would expect nothing less from a general manager whose job is to improve a baseball team, to build a baseball team, to foster that talent, to grow that talent, to put it together, to choose the correct manager, to fit with that talent, and then improve, to sustain, right? David Stearns is, is doing the bare minimum that any GM should be required to do. The idea that, that we should appreciate the fact that, that David Stearns is, is just trying, that's so lame. The guy's trying. Ugh. So I, I know a lot of people like to go after David Stearns for every little thing, and he's got to make a move now, and he's got to do something now. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I, I, at least give him some credit that he is trying. The, just how, how lame does that sound, though? Well, he's trying. Give him credit. And look, love Joe. This is not about Joe. It's just stuck out to me today, and I thought we'd talk about it. That's just lame. At least he's trying. He's doing the bare minimum. And I'm not banging the table and saying, get Noah Syndergaard or I'm going to be pissed. That's not what I'm saying. There'll be opportunities to get pitchers. Many are in different situations in their careers, in their contracts, have different experience. Like This is a complex puzzle. It's not just about, this guy's good, get him, make your team better. It's, it's not that simple. But at some point, David Stearns is going to have to make a decision. Talked a little bit about this season, about how he's kind of avoided decisions. He didn't want to 
part ways with Jesus Aguilar, and that looks like it might turn out. He really got it going in the past week before the All-Star break. He didn't want to do Travis Shaw dirty by sending him down for Keston Hira. Just kind of stood pat. Just kind of stood pat. And I give him credit. Last year, he brought in Cedeno, and he brought in Soria. Those moves were... were those are pretty foolproof moves. Bring in experienced relievers who aren't going to serve in high leverage situations. The highest of leverage situations, right? When has David Stern shown the ability to identify a killer starting pitcher? Get him for a good price, right? David Stern's moves have been pretty safe. You only should have seen that. Was gonna, that wasn't going to bury the franchise if it didn't work out, right? Bring Jimmy Nelson back, right? That, that's Of course you're going to bring him back. Like David Stern's has not shown the ability to put together a really good starting rotation. I understand Shasin was good last year and Miley was, but it was the bullpen that carried him. David Stearns has not shown the ability to say, there's our pitcher, we're going to pay a big price because we're confident and, and, and have it work out. He hasn't really shown the ability to do that. He's made good moves with position players and with relievers. Starting pitching is his that one box that David Stearns has yet to check, whether that's through trade or free agency or what have you. I'm not saying it has to be Noah Syndergaard. But I'm getting to the point where I'm no longer content just being in every conversation. And luckily for David Stearns, Ted Thompson didn't even do that. So David Stearns seems like the world's best GM for just picking up a phone. But I'm getting to the point where that's not enough because this Brewers team is floundering. Their, their starting pitching is is horrible. We're talking about four innings is, is an average start time. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I'm not mad at Stearns. I'm not saying he needs to make the center guard move. I'm just trying to put this situation into perspective. As we're starting trade season, at some point, if you want to win a World Series, you're going to have to make a tough decision. You're going to have to make a gutsy move. You're going to have to do something rather than just say, oh, well, we asked. They wanted too much. Well, they asked, and well, the Dodgers, their offer was really good, but we were there. We were in the conversation. No, that's not going to win you a World Series. Not unless Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta turn into two Cy Young candidates like Friday. Being in conversations isn't going to be enough. It's just not. The Twins have been incredible this year. They have been consistently awesome. They've been fun to watch. And they have, uh, well, until recently when the Cleveland Indians made a little bit of a run, they've been running away with the American League Central. And let's talk about them. Let's talk to Rami Makhlouf, Score North, uh, the new, the shiny station in the cities covering the Twins covering the Vikings, right, covering the Wild, the Timberwolves. We're going to talk to Rami Makhlouf, who is also a tremendous stand-up comedian. So I'm just excited to talk to him and talk some Twins because I feel like we kind of owe the Twins some time here on the Wisco Sports Show, although this is the Wisco Sports Show. Let's talk to Rami coming up next. Uh, this is the Wisco Sports Show pretended, uh, presented excuse me, by Played Against Sports right here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. My name is Grant Bilson. You can always listen live at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. Thanks for hanging out. Hopefully you're having an awesome night. The Brewers uh, talk is alive and well on the five-star telecom talk and text line, 608-796-2558. Here's one. It says, it is hard to know how much Stearns is or isn't doing until we see the results that come across the news. Look, the the results are going to be telling, right? I agree. Right now, we only have rumors to go off, so we can only read into it so much, but the Brewers are in the conversation. They've inquired. That's all we know, Uh, and for me, for now, that's all I need to know. Scott says, that was a tired and lazy swipe at Ted Thompson. Don't be that guy. Okay, 
you know what? That wasn't a personal swipe at Ted Thompson. That's about his managing style, which is about as reclusive uh, as reclusive gets. So David Stearns, in comparison by just picking up a phone, looks better. Ted Thompson won a Super Bowl. David Stearns uh, has not yet even been to the World Series. So I feel like we should probably also mention that. There's more than one way uh, to skin an apple, if you know what I mean. We have not talked twins. We have not even mentioned the twins, I, I believe, once on the Wisco Sports Show. And, and that's fair because this is the Wisco Sports Show. But it gets to the point where I feel like we just need to touch on them. The twins, are they have a five-and-a-half game lead in the, the division. Now, they had a much larger lead than that. Have some injuries, some tough stretch of schedule. But they've been killing it, and they've been fun to watch. A, a run differential of plus 116. That's incredible. That's way better than the Brewers, minus 17 even though the Brewers are right there in their division as well. They're not leading by five and a half games, that's for sure. Joining us now uh, on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line, we have to talk some twins. Like, this team uh, this team is due for some conversation. So let's talk twins. Rami Makhlouf uh, of Score North in the cities, which is kind of that new upstart station. or station. I shouldn't call it an upstart station. They have a ton of listeners, a ton of good guests, and I was checking out the station a little bit uh, when I was trying to hunt down a Twins guest. Rami used to be in Milwaukee, so I thought, perfect, let's do that. Rami Maklov now joining us on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. Now, Rami, I wanted to have a Twins guest this week. I know you used to be in Milwaukee. Uh, not even a year ago, you switched uh, to to the score or score north. Do I have that right in the Twin Cities? I'm looking it's at not- the Twitter page right now. <laughs> it is. It's score north. It's spelled S K O R north. You know, like skull. Yes. That's the thing up here. Yeah, and I came up here about uh, about six months ago. Man, made the move from the fan in Milwaukee, and uh, covering the Brewers now up here covering the Twins, and uh, it's been a pretty good Twins team to cover so far. Sports radio has enough the scores, anyways. So score north sounds a lot better. <laughs> the Twins, man, they had a very exciting, very fun first half. I'm actually from. Uh, my hometown's closer to the Twin Cities than it is to Milwaukee. So I had a lot of friends growing up who are Twins fans, a lot of friends now, and they're just loving it. They're watching every night. They're excited uh, like I haven't seen uh, recently. Now, right now, they're five and a half games up in the division, so they, so they cooled off a little bit, right? They were they were gapping everyone uh, in the Central. For fans and for listeners who may not be Twins experts or, or for our Twins fans listeners as well, what do you think were the biggest factors in, in their success in the first half? Home runs. I mean, it really, it really is that simple. It's not the only thing they did well, but they were hitting home runs and scoring runs at a record pace. I mean, you look at their run differential, I think they're number two in the league right now, but they were one or two all season long because this team can just score runs on you, and, and they, will, they will bludgeon you to death. And, when you, and one of the traits of this team is that when you score on them, they have a tendency to come back an inning or an inning or two later and and score on you. So whatever whatever momentum, whatever culture you had going, the Twins have been able to to, to reach in your heart and, and pull that right out and, and take it right back. Their offense has been their heartbeat. But like I said, that's not the only thing that they've done well this year. They, they've pitched, I think, better than anyone expected them to pitch. Everyone knew Jose Barrios was a, a very good pitcher. I think he's taken the next step from the Twins' ace to a true Major League Baseball ace this year. Jake Odorizzi has pitched better than I think anyone expected him to pitch in his career after he sort of flamed out after being a high draft pick. And and then you have Martin Perez, who cooled off quite a bit. But for the first two months of the season, the guy looked like Johan Santana. And even Michael Pineda, who sat out all last year with with the knee injury, 
he's pitched uh, above expectations this year. So the pitching has been good. The offense has been great. It's added up to that run differential that I talked about and five-and-a-half game lead at the All-Star break. It's hard to argue with their run differential. I'm looking at it right now, plus 116, uh, which is much better than the Brewers. I, I think I believe I heard this morning they're plus 17, minus 17 for the Brewers. So so quite the difference. The, the Twins can put up runs. I also wanted to ask you uh, about their first-year manager, uh, Baldelli, because when I first heard my friends talking about him a little bit, it's not a name that I that I knew. I had to look him up and read a little bit about him. Now, to me, this kind of seems like Alex Cora, right, the, the manager that the Red Sox brought in, a, a young guy. Is baseball kind of trending away from, from the old traditional managers, and, and why has Baldelli been able to connect with this group, and, and what's led him to success in his first season so far, do you think? Yeah, you're a little younger than me. I knew Rocco Baldelli was because Rocco Baldelli was a very highly touted prospect in the, in the Rays organization about 10, 11 years ago, maybe a little bit further back than that. Had some really good years, about two or three good years as a player in Major League Baseball, and then sort of had a mysterious ailment that he just could never quite bounce back from, and it cost him his playing career. So from a very early age, he got into he got into coaching, and, and obviously now has found his way into into the Twins dugout. I do think that baseball is is starting to to steer a little bit younger. Not just with managers, but you look at front offices around the league. You have a guy down there with the Brewers, David oh, yeah. Stearns, I believe he's 33, 34 years old. You have two two pretty young guys up here running the uh, the Twins front office, and Derek Falvey and Fat Levine. And you look around Major League Baseball, and yeah, a lot of teams are opting to go with the younger manager, and a lot of them are younger managers with playing experience. And I think that's a big part of it, because in, in today's in today's game, in the analytical age of baseball, as much of managing, it's not more than managing, because I want to say all the decisions, I don't want to demean what managers do, but yeah. a lot of the decisions are easier to make. Some of the buttons are easier to push with the information that's at your fingertips today as compared to, to past eras of baseball. A big part of being a manager today is managing personalities and managing egos and managing a clubhouse of 25 guys and making sure that they're all pointed in the same direction. I think that's something that Craig Council was, was very good at in my time covering the Brewers. And Rocco Baldelli honestly reminds me a lot of Craig Council, and both those guys remind me of, he's not a young manager, but Joe Madden and what all three of those managers have in common is the trait of letting their players be themselves, both personality-wise and not trying to to turn a clubhouse into into a platoon and thinking – that this is something militaristic where everybody has to act and be the same way. He lets guys show and shine their personalities. And he doesn't necessarily tell you how to get ready for a game. He has a very laid-back attitude and, and says, look, there are certain things I, I want you to do on game day or on a consistent basis to be ready to go, but I'm not going to tell you where you need to be every minute of every day. And that's, like I said, something that Craig Council and Joe Mann believe in and that's basically managing the workload and not putting so much on these guys that by game 162 they're worn down. And if you're lucky enough to go into the playoffs, you have a beat-up team going into October. I think that's a really smart way to approach it. It keeps the clubhouse loose, fun, happy, 
healthy, and uh, I really, I, I've been impressed by Rocco Baldelli as a rookie manager. I think it's fascinating to compare him because only a year ago, Paul Molitor, right? I, I think it's really fun to, to see the differences and to see the parallels maybe as well and how they manage a ball club. Rami Maklov from Score North uh, joining us to talk a little Twins baseball on the Five Star Telecom talking text line. Uh, Rami, one of my favorite things about the All-Star break is sports radio more than ever just gets so cliche and cheesy. And it's normally <laughs> cheesy and cliche, right? And I, I try to not oh, fall yeah. into that trap. But, you know, this week, everybody doing, should we be buyers? Should we be sellers? The Twins are obviously contending. Uh, they love their team. I can't imagine they would sell anything off. The question is, are they looking to buy a lot or maybe just tweak the roster? Are there any names that you're hearing, any rumors? What are the Twins looking to do before the trade deadline later this July? I actually talked to uh, Twins GM Fred Levine earlier today on uh, our Twins show, which is every day at noon. And uh, he, he, didn't, he, he didn't go as far as to say that a move is imminent, but he definitely said that they're active, they're looking. He specifically said that they're looking to bolster their pitching staff. I think Luis is, is uh, priority number one, but they wouldn't mind adding an arm if they could upgrade on Kyle Gibson for their playoff rotation, or even on Rico Derizzi in their playoff rotation if a, a good enough pitcher presented itself. But they really need to solidify the back end of that bullpen. If, if, even if they, I've said on, on our show that even if they don't add a starter, because of the offense and the amount of runs that they can score, I, I feel pretty confident in this Twins team if they can add an arm or two to that bullpen and make it so that, and we've seen this with a number of teams in the playoffs the last few years. This has been their strategy. If you have a lead after five or six innings, it's what the Blues tried to do last year. Yep. It's pretty much a done deal. You can you can you can put the kids to bed. It's a wrap because we have three or four, maybe even five arms that we trust in high leverage situations. That's that's where they need to get to. Right now, they have two, maybe three arms that you really implicitly trust. In, in high leverage situations. So I think they really need to bolster that bullpen. And Sad Levine told us today that you should expect things to heat up, not just for the Twins, but around baseball with this now single trade deadline. No waiver moves after July 31st. He said you should expect things to start to heat up here in, in the next couple of weeks. So it should, should get interesting. And I do expect the Twins to add, I expect them to add significantly because they, they believe they have a chance at doing something here. It's fascinating, Rami, to look at all the divisions in baseball, and the Twins 1-2 to two are the closest division in all of baseball at five and a half games uh, between first and second place. The Brewers' entire division is only separated by four and a half games. It's fascinating to see the differences in divisions across baseball. Now, the Twins and, and all my fans who are Twins fans say, hey, five and a half games, we're comfy. It's not the, the huge lead, the monumental lead we had earlier on in the season, but the Indians are playing good ball. They made it close. Do you have any reason to worry? Because we've seen, and as a Brewer fan, I've seen huge leads evaporate like that until they've clinched and they're in. I'm always worried. Should Twins fans be worried in the slightest that that five-and-a-half game lead uh, is in trouble the second half once we get going again after the All-Star break? I told them they shouldn't. I, I have. I started sort of a slogan or a hashtag where it is 2019 up here because about, I don't know, six weeks into the season, I, I, declared, I declared the Indians dead. I said time of death today for the Cleveland <laughs> Indians. They're done. It's over. The division is the Twins, and they're going to win. And, and people were calling into our show, and three or four people told me, and they used the same terminology, and I quote, pump your brakes. And I got tired of hearing it, and I just snapped, and I said, not only am I not pumping the brakes, I have cut the brakes. There are no brakes on this Twins bus right now, right? This thing is full speed ahead, 
and it's not going to stop. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be some potholes. That doesn't mean that there won't be some sharp turns. Sure. And we're going to have to white knuckle it through. I knew it would get closer with the Indians. But if you look at the ground that the Indians have gained since the start of June, it makes perfect sense why they gained that ground. First of all, the Twins were playing at a 110-win pace for a long time. That's not going to keep up. They're yeah. not a 110-win baseball team. So there was some regression to the mean coming as a team and for individuals up and down that roster. Now, they're not going to regress to bad, but they're going to regress back to, to what they, they actually are, which is a good baseball team. Secondly, you look at the schedules of the two teams, the, the Indians had much more days off in the, in the last month and a half than, than the Twins have had. The Indians have had a much easier schedule than the Twins have had in the last month and a half, and the Twins have had an 18-inning game, a 17-inning game, and a 12-inning game. That's going to do damage to your roster as a whole, but especially to your bullpen. So over the course of all of that, yeah, the Indians gained five and a half games on the Twins. That's almost, if I told you that when that, started, when that stretch of schedule started, you would have said, yeah, the Indians are going to gain some ground on the Twins. If I, if I could look into a crystal ball and tell you all those circumstances were going to play out, you would probably assume that the Indians would gain some down. So it makes sense. When you look at the second half of the season, and the Twins literally have the easiest schedule in all of Major League Baseball. It's not that they just have an easier schedule than the Indians. They have the easiest schedule in all of Major League Baseball, and they're getting healthier during the All-Star break. They had some injuries over that tough stretch of schedule. I think they get back to full strength. I think they add at the trade line, and... I'm not saying it'll happen this weekend when the two teams meet, but I expect the Twins to, to put more space between themselves and the Indians before all is said and done. A lot of reason to be optimistic about the Twins. Rami, uh, thanks again for joining us. And, and I actually like the All-Star break. It, it's quiet and there's not a ton to talk about, but this week has given uh, me and, and our listeners some flexibility to touch topics and teams and sports that we haven't really had an opportunity to talk about. So I thank you for joining us for a couple of minutes. And I'm just going to have to tune in to, to Score North and, and hear a little bit more about the Twins because if the Brewers continue to kind of underwhelm, I'm not saying I'm jumping on the bandwagon, but I'm certainly going to pay attention. Rami, thanks for a couple of minutes. I'll give you one piece of advice. Just please try to stay away from the Mount Rushmore of whatever topic during this game period in sports talk. Yep. That's the only thing I ask. Stay away from the Mount Rushmore thing, if you could, please. We can do that. I'm going to take that advice, Rami. Thanks again, man. All right, man. Appreciate it. Rami Makhlouf, score north. You can find him on Twitter at Rami is tweeting. Rami spelled R-A-M-I-E. Rami is tweeting on Twitter. Uh, and check out his stuff uh, up on Score North. They follow the Twins, the Wolves, the Vikings, obviously, all that good stuff. Stuff that we don't pay attention to too often, don't discuss too often on the Wisco Sports Show because, you know, we it's the it's the Wisco Sports Show. So when we come back, we're going to return to Wisconsin sports. I want to talk about the Bucks for just a couple of minutes. And one specific player who I've heard them talking about on Bill Michaels, I don't know if Dave and Scratty have covered this player or not, Player wants out. Russell Westbrook wants a trade, and some people are saying, well, why not the Bucs? Well, why? It would be a perfect fit for the Bucs. No, it wouldn't be. We'll talk about that coming up next, the final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. Here on WKTY, my name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out, and thanks again to Rami Makhlouf from Score North for joining us for just a couple of minutes to talk Twins. They're having a hell of a season. And you know what? It's the All-Star break. I actually am enjoying the All-Star break. That's supposed to be like the black hole for sports radio, the black hole for, for sports talk. 
it's given us some freedom, some fun times, some flexibility to talk about teams and sports and topics that we haven't had time for in the past. So for that, I am grateful. I hope you've enjoyed as well. I, I heard Bill Michaels talking about this yesterday. I don't know if they continued today. I don't know if Dave and Scrady have hit this at all. I would imagine they did uh, at some point so far this week. So Russell Westbrook wants out of Oklahoma City, okay? And it's not that Russell Westbrook is is being a tool or wants to go to a big market. It's that Oklahoma City, with trading away Paul George to the Clippers, has now moved their target. They are now rebuilding. They're going to be building through the draft, building through young players like Shea Gilgis, Alexander, other players they got back from the Clippers, right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Russell Westbrook, who's in the middle of his prime right now, to hang around in OKC through a rebuild. Okay, so he said, yeah, I'm open to a, to a trade. Maybe let's talk. Okay, so there's not a lot of destinations that make a whole lot of sense. Detroit does. Miami does. Neither one of those teams making that move makes them a championship contender, but it makes them a lot more relevant. It makes them a lot more entertaining. And I think those two franchises could use a little bit of relevance and a little bit of entertainment right now. Other than that, I don't know if there's a great location. However, I heard Bill Michaels throw out, why not the Bucks? Why not bring Russell Westbrook into the Bucks? He could be the second star to Giannis. He could take some of the scoring pressure off. He could do this. He could do that. It would be perfect. No, 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 no. As someone who doesn't really watch TV, I'm talking about myself, as someone who I I don't really watch TV, I I watch sports, and during the winter, my entertainment is NBA League Pass. I just just watch games. I get get home, and I'm like, all right, if I have time to, to sit down and have some free time, all right, well, who's playing tonight? Okay, Kings, Grizzlies, okay. Thunder, Jazz, okay, I'll watch that. That's my that's my entertainment. I've watched countless games with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. I used to watch him with Kevin Durant. I watched him without Kevin Durant, without Paul George. Like, I've never been a fan of his game. If you watch The Herd with Colin Cowherd, you probably know that Colin is the most rabid hater of Russell Westbrook. And it gets personal. It gets borderline weird at times. I'm sure Russell Westbrook is a, is a great guy. I don't like his game. I don't like his game at all. I don't want him on the Bucks. He is a black hole of basketball. And I know the argument is, if you just look at box scores and look at statistics and you don't watch games and you don't look any further than what you can find on the internet the morning after, Russell Westbrook statistically makes sense. Gets a lot of assists, gets rebounds, which as a point guard isn't super important. If we're being honest, nobody wants to admit that. And, of course, scoring points. Russell Westbrook does a little bit of everything. Obviously, he's averaged a triple-double now for the better part of three or four years, and I understand that. Racking up a lot of assists doesn't mean you're a great passer. Just like racking up steals and blocks doesn't actually mean you're a good defender. It just means you're getting blocks and steals and, and, and assists. Russell Westbrook always has the ball in his hand. The offense is always initiated through him. And let's be real, his teammates and his coach and that team realize that his thing is kind of the triple-double. His thing is... He averages a triple-double. Nobody else does that. Not saying they're going to game plan around that. Not saying that they're going to make that the the, the center of basketball operations. But we got to get Russ his, you know? And they also want to win. They want to compete. It's just never really worked. Russell Westbrook has never really worked with any superstar he's been paired with. And let's be real. Paul George and and Kevin Durant are two of the most... they, they They are the easiest guys. They're both long, they're both super athletic, they're both great defenders, and they both shoot the hell out of the basketball. And neither one of them worked great with Russell Westbrook. Why should Giannis? Giannis is more limited than Paul George and Russell and uh, Kevin Durant. No, 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 no. I don't care about the triple-double, I don't care about the assists, the rebounds, I don't care. I don't want it. End of discussion. Same time, same place tomorrow, the Wisco Sports Show will return. I can't wait to talk to you then.